listen, I would like to say one more time, like and subscribe to the channel. We're working hard today. Hope everyone had a great Labor Day weekend. And please share, comment what you believe is some of the more breathtaking takes on predictions, uh, questions that you have with the AFC teams we have discussed thus far. Um, Now, next, we do have Jacksonville Jaguars. Zach, it's on you. All right. This is another team for me. Like, I'm a little bit confused why the odds makers have them so low in the AFC. I find it very unlikely that they don't win their division. They have a huge advantage playing in the AFC South. So that would mean, like, they're most likely going to make the playoffs. They're most likely going to get a home playoff game. And, like, do people just think it's too big of a leap? It almost reminds me a little bit of what happened with the Bengals last year and their odds at this point last season, right? They went to the Super Bowl out of nowhere, and Vegas kind of just thought it was a fluke, like even though they had Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I know, uh, Will, both in us uh, going into last year, like we're really high on the Bengals, but not everyone agreed with us. Like there were a ton of people that just did not buy that Super Bowl run. And I think that's what's happening here with the Jaguars. Now, I know they have some offensive line questions, right? Cam Robinson, he's going to be suspended for their first four games, and they lose their starting right tackle, Jawan Taylor. It's probably an average offensive line at best. But I think Trevor Lawrence is good enough to get the ball out quickly. I think he's also a very underrated runner and athlete. He had five rushing touchdowns last year. And here's the thing, right? Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You know, everyone is having their fantasy football drafts at this point, like going into the season. I'm really surprised, like, how highly in these drafts Calvin Ridley is going. And I was shocked to see him going in, like, the second round of some drafts. But every report you hear out of training camp is that he's been killing it. He's been uh, coming up with another highlight each day. And if he's going to break out, that's even more of a reason to like this Jaguar team. Christian Kirk lived up to the hype last year after he made a ton of money. Evan Ingram broke out last year. He's back. You have Travis Etienne healthy for a full season now. I know he had some major fumbling issues that he has to take care of, but they drafted Tank Bigsby from Auburn, who I think is a really good change of pace back. They needed that complimentary back for ETN in terms of like the short yardage situations inside the five. And I actually think overall, this group of skill position players for Jacksonville, I think it's super underrated. And I would call it a top 10 group of skill position players in the NFL. I also think their defense has a lot of nice young first round talent that's only going to get even better with. Trayvon Walker, Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd, Andre Sisco, all those guys are going to be in their second year with this unit. And I think there's a good chance, yeah, I'm going to say it, that the Jaguars finish as the number two seed in the AFC behind Kansas City. Yeah. Um, you know, when you talk about the Jaguars, and I am one of those guys, Zach, that have Calvin Ridley on my fantasy team. You know, I was jumping on that. That's one of my favorite players in the whole national football league i mean the guy is a very superb route runner and um you know he was putting in the work he was making a lot of plays um for atlanta before obviously the mental health break and then the gambling situation that resulted in him being suspended for the full season last year now i do think having a guy like that we see it so many times it, it brings another level out of the quarterback position because you have that toy, that reliable number one option. And I think Trevor Lawrence will take the biggest leap out of any quarterback this year because of that weapon, because of the weapons that you just listed with Travis Etienne, Bigsby, who they drafted um, to be that change of pace back for that team. You know, Evan Ingram, they just actually signed him to a contract extension as well. So they got him locked up. I thought he broke out last year. You know, he didn't have the greatest thought to his NFL career. I thought he did a good job in Jacksonville last year. Christian Kirk was able to find a home 
Um, so the weapons are there defensively. I would like to see a little bit more from that unit that they have, you know, especially with the highly drafted pick and Trayvon Walker to pair along with Josh Allen. I mean, when you talk about those premier names, I thought I would have got a little bit more out of that unit last year. Hopefully this year will be different. And I think the defense is what's really going to determine how far the Jaguars can go, because obviously you play, you know, you have your offense and defense. The team is reliant on each other to make plays. And I think the defense has a ways to go. And if that defense could really, really generate turnovers, then this team really can be a, a sneaky Super Bowl contending team and potentially make the Super Bowl. And um, just one thing to respond to that quickly, if, if, I, if I may. So that defense, they beat Dallas in overtime. They forced a pick six on Dak. And they also shut out the Chargers in the second half of the playoff game. And they were right there with Kansas City. Like uh, Jacksonville, I believe, fumbled the ball, what, inside the 10-yard line? And maybe if they score a touchdown there, that's a different game. Yeah, I mean, in spurts, they had their stops. Remember, Dallas was um, tearing them to shreds in the early part of the game, and then Dak Prescott went to being Dak Prescott again. So it's about the consistency and being able to um, play consistent football. And, um, yeah, I like this team. I like Doug Peterson. I like Trevor Lawrence. I am definitely high on the Jaguars this year, so look out for them. You know, quick question about both of y'all. Um, we could all agree that Jacksonville – overachieved last season going as far as they did in the playoffs um do you feel like that will hurt them going into the season or it only propel them to go further i can't see how it hurts i mean they started off last season so badly losing games that they just had they were right there they just had no business losing and then you finally saw trevor lawrence the last eight nine games of the year become the guy that we all thought they were getting coming out of Clemson, that generational quarterback prospect. And their defense has talent. Like, I was impressed with how their defense played to end last season. I think that's going to continue. I can't see how it hurts them. Um, Zay, what's the question again? My fault. Um, do you feel like Jacksonville's um, Jacksonville overachieving last year will hurt them going into this season? Like, too high expectations, or you think it will propel them? Like, like a hangover. Yeah, yeah, hangover. Um, nah, I think they will take the next leap. You know, I, I don't think, you know, them, you know, peaking, you know, and being sneaky that it's going to, they got better. You know, they added, you know, Kevin Ridley is on the team now. So they added, as long as you add, if you can add on to your roster and not show the same thing, then there's no reason why you shouldn't take another leap. I don't think it's the same Jaguars team like last year. Last year, they started off funky, and then they started winning games, but they really didn't get to their peak yet. I think this year will be peak Jacksonville, and because of that, I think they will be a force to be reckoned with in the AFC. All right. Well, we have, you know, that was a great point. You know, I think Jacksonville, you know, we'll see what happens with this team, but Trevor Lawrence, the way he played the end of the season, we hope to see it in this season as well. And, and it doesn't help when the team that you lost to that end of your season was a team that won the chip. True. <laughs> Very That's true. That's a good thing, you know? Like, you were right there. Great point. Yeah. Listen, great points all around. We'll see. But we still got some more teams to go. The next being the Cleveland Browns. Lil, it's on you. Yes, for the Cleveland Browns, my biggest question is, is Deshaun Watson the biggest X factor in this whole entire division of the North? And I can make a legitimate argument he is. If Deshaun Watson is that guy that we knew of, Deshaun Watson, are you there? Hello, are you there? Um, if he's that guy that before everything transpired, okay, you call him Deshaun Watson, I call him Massage Watson. 
with all due respect. Um, before the things that happened and transpired with his life that caused him to be, you know, a player that we are questioning, you know, around this time, if he can go back to that guy that led the league in passing yards despite not having a number one wide receiver, that when you look at every major statistical category for quarterback, he was top five in that year without no number one. If he can go back to being like that, then this Browns team is a team you have to look out for. And that's why I say he's the biggest wild card here. Because if he's not like that, then clearly the, the Browns will be last in a division. And I think for me, I said it before, the Steelers was a team that impressed me the most this preseason, where I may have been a little bit down on them. And you ask me after the preseason, which team do you feel better about post preseason? I would say the Steelers number one. Now, we have to take that statement with a grain of salt because, number one, we talked about the Ravens. We didn't get to see the Ravens this year and how they look, that new look Ravens with the Lamar Jackson on the field, Odell, how he looks coming off, you know, ACL injuries and all that, how Zay Flowers, even though we saw Zay Flowers, you know, in a couple games and, you know, he looked good in that. But I'm talking about everybody as a unit together that's going to be starting. So I have to take that with a grain of salt. The Browns is another team in that category. They showed me something I saw. I got to download data when you talk about the Browns and how they're going to look. And when you talk about offensively, let's talk about the offense and then we'll go defense. You know, you have Nick Chubb, superstar running back. You also have Amari Cooper, who, yeah, you could argue is a 1B receiver, but he can still have his alpha moments. You also got the guy that, you know, from your team, you know, um, Elijah Moore. Can't forget his name. And I like the way how they're going to utilize him. I think he's going to be utilized more in this offense compared to the Jets, where he was just a myth. Um, over here, they're going to use him out of the backfield. We saw that in the preseason game against Washington. They're going to use him out of the backfield. They're going to use him in the slot. They're going to use him in the outside. They're going to take advantage of a guy with his skill set that can do a lot of things. Also, when you talk about the line, the line is solid as well. So offensively, they're, they're very good. Defensively, you talk about Jim Swartz, the defensive coordinator, who they hide. He should instantly improve the defense. You also got Zadarius Smith to go alongside Miles Garrett. I like that unit to get sacks and pressure the quarterback and wreck the game at the line. You know, Miles Garrett is probably the best player in the league at his position. One of the best defenders in general in the league. You got those guys in the corners. You can make an argument. Um, Denzel Ward and there's another guy, Matt Martin. Is Martin... Um, I forgot how to pronounce his last name, but I know it's Martin. He's the second corner. You could make the argument that they have the best corners in the North. You could make that argument. So um, when you look at them from both sides, they are vastly underrated. I think they're the most underrated team in the National Football League right now based on paper. But as I said before in my famous line, paper don't play. It's about Deshaun Watson. And if he can go back in the hands of time and remind us folks who he really is, which is not only Massage Watson, but um Deshaun Watson, the good NFL quarterback. We'll see. And my bold prediction, real quickly here, I got one bold prediction to leave us with. I do believe the Browns will make the playoffs with a uh, 11 and 6 record. They're coming second place. All right. So I see the argument for like why people think this team is going to be good, I guess. And I remember Houston, Deshaun Watson, pre suspension. And I do agree. Like back then, yes. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think there's a reason why so many of these athletes talk about how important confidence is and the mental aspect of the game. And I think this dude has lost it. 
The Browns had eight offensive touchdowns in the six games he played in last season. And I just don't think you can tell me that there weren't people in that locker room asking themselves, why did we give Deshaun Watson all that money when Jacoby Brissett, who's a guy that every coach loves, was way better. Like, not just a little bit better, way better. And he's got to live up to that contract Watson does. Most fans think he's a creep. I just think it's a lot. And this isn't an easy thing to bounce back from. I'm also not a huge fan of Kevin Stefanski. I think he's gotten a little bit worse and a little bit worse since he first got there. And I I don't think him or their GM, Andrew Berry, ever wanted Deshaun Watson there to begin with. I think that was a move made by Jimmy Haslam, their owner, and him only. So I'm not buying the hype of this team, and I think they lose double-digit games. It's funny because um, my guy, Jacoby Brissett, couldn't even beat out Sam Howell, you know? Uh, we know he doesn't have no upside. Watson is where the upside is. But who and was the quarterback last year? I'm um, last year's last year. Who was the better quarterback in their careers? Clearly, Deshaun Watson. Jacoby Brissett was never, never on that level of Deshaun Watson. It was chemistry. It was all right. You had the reps in the offseason, so we tailored the game plan to fit your strengths, and that's why you know he was successful. It was the handing the baton midseason to the other quarterback which is why the quarterback with all that was going on was struggling to adapt to this offense. Now they're going to put the ball in Deshaun Watson's hand and it's going to be a different offense. I think this team is going to be passing more than running. And I think Nick Chubb will get a lot of those pass catching opportunities because of that. I I just, I just cannot say to with a straight face on this show that Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks I've seen the last couple of years, is not even mid anymore. He's not even a game manager. That's not even his ceiling no more. I just can't buy that. I would have to see for myself. And my last point, week one against the Bengals, that's a golden opportunity for the Browns to make a statement. And if they look good in that game, if they can win that game, I'm definitely buying more stock into the Browns this year if they can pull that off. I just you know, the, the Browns got a lot of questions, right? It's all starts with quarterback. I think even the defense, you can make the argument, like even if the defense is average at best, Deshaun Watson, uh, prime Deshaun Watson, as, as I can say, should be able to at least elevate the Cleveland Browns to a position where I don't know about second in the AFC, but amongst the top four spots in that AFC spot, like something along the lines of one of the best records in that AFC. So, you know, I, I understand that completely. And I, I think if we get that Deshaun Watson who's shown us his ability to stay in the pocket and really just sling the ball, I can see them going pretty far. I think he's a different person now. And I just think last year showed a lot. Like, the Browns' offense was humming with Brissett. And I get Sam Howell beat him out. But that we knew that was coming. You know, Sam Howell's a young quarterback. Washington doesn't know what his upside is yet. Like, I was a little bit confused. He doesn't about- have no upside. Jacoby Brissett oh, has a floor, and that's it. Yes, but here's my thing. For Brissett, what I'll say is I was confused why he signed with Washington in the first place, right? Because – when he signed there, I, I didn't think he was going to play. Like, it makes sense that Washington, not knowing what Hal's upside was, they were always going to go with him, I thought, you know? So my thing is, it's just very concerning that everything you said about Brissett was true, like, going into last year. And I don't think he's some great quarterback. But the fact that he was significantly better than the guy you gave all that money to has to be a concern. And I think people in that locker room feel the same way. You know, I think the Browns will have their questions answered early this season. 
you know what what is to anticipate because you like I said you pay I said this before you paid Deshaun Watson all this money you're expecting to go somewhere you ain't you ain't giving the money all that money to somebody who's not taking you somewhere so you're expecting to go somewhere let's see what the Cleveland Browns destination is because they ain't giving more that money to put earrings in his ear I'm not sure if you've been checking out his wardrobe lately but his wardrobe has been I mean my guy got the earrings the shiny earrings I mean the new outfits Deshaun Watson you could tell that guy got bread let me hold a dollar please. <laughs> well, we're Is heading over or on football. Who knows? <laughs> we're heading over to Pittsburgh now. Pittsburgh Steelers. Lil, it's on you. Um, Zach, that's your team. Zach, Zach, oh, yeah. it's on you. Sorry, Zach, you might have. Uh, I had the Broncos next. I don't know if uh, Will, you had that too, but whatever's the, whatever we want. Oh. Yeah, I had the. Is the Broncos or Steelers next? I think I it's the because I just went with the Browns, right? Or you went with the Browns? Yeah, yeah you went with the Browns, right? So it's no, it's a little. I was right. Yeah, you tripped me up. Hold on. It's a little on you. Oh, it's on me. All right, the Broncos. Uh, no, wait, no, yeah. No. Zay, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Zay, you're right. Um, sorry. Zay, uh, Will, you asked about the Browns. I'm up. But I, I'm just, okay. I, got, I got confused because I had the, uh, okay, I had the Broncos next, Um, not the Steelers. So do we okay, we'll go Broncos okay. then. Broncos All next. Right. Exactly. All, right, perfect, perfect. All right, so the Broncos, right? Wait, hold uh, on. You got the Broncos or I got the, I thought you had the, the Steelers, Zach, and I had the Broncos. You want right, to do I mean, it like that? Let's yeah, do it like that. Go with right. the Steelers, dog. Bet. Sounds good. My bet. All right. So here's the thing, right? I'm very high on the Steelers. I'm very high on Kenny Pickett. That, that's no secret, right? And my question is, am I alone? Are you guys buying into the hype? Because I think this is going to be one of the best teams in the NFL this year. Now, Peter Schrager of the NFL Network, he just came out with this list of the top 10 breakout players in the league. And he did this list after talking to people all across the league, like executives, coaches, GMs, and he put Kenny Pickett as his number one breakout player in the league. And I agree. And I kind of feel like I've been the leader of this bandwagon, and a lot of people are kind of just starting to notice and really start believing in Pickett, especially after his preseason. And I also think their defense is really legit. And TJ Watt, he's such a difference maker. I don't think there's a more valuable non-quarterback in the league than him. And he missed seven games last year. And Mike Tomlin still found a way to win nine games. They have the wide receivers. They have two solid running backs. I think they have a young quarterback that's going to break out. They actually remind me a lot of the Eagles last season, but I think their defense is significantly better. I think you're going to see that jump at quarterback. The roster around him is really loaded. And I know that Mike Tomlin hasn't won a playoff game in six years. Like there's a reason why when Will and I did our uh, top 10 coaches list, like he didn't make my list because he hasn't had enough playoff success. And I think there's going to be a sense of urgency there. Like, I think there's a reason why the Steelers balled out this preseason and clearly was the best team in the preseason because they're locked in. This is a big year for them. And I think the Steelers should have the best defense in the AFC if everyone stays healthy. And I think they're going to win the AFC North. Yeah, um, I kind of was prepared for that. Trust me, I think Zach could attest to this too. We've been doing this show so many years together. I know what Zach is going to say, and I'm pretty sure Zach knows what I'm going to say, right? And I knew this was coming. I knew he was going to pick the Steelers to win the North. If I was able to make any type of money based on predicting what Zach is going to say on this show, I'll be a rich man. I'll be in Cancun. You know what I'm saying? But um, look, I said it before. I was impressed with the Steelers during the preseason. But even though I said that, I'm going to make sure I'm very clear 
on how impressed I was. And where did I think the Steelers was going to be prior to the preseason? I was about 89, 70, 10. I had them winning seven or eight games prior to the preseason. I thought Mike Tomlin was going to have his first losing season. Now, after the preseason, I don't think he's going to have a losing season. I actually think he's going to keep that streak alive. So um, that would kind of be my bro prediction because we all know I'm not a Mike Tomlin guy here on the show. And I thought the streak was going to end last year. My bold prediction, Mike Tomlin keeps that streak alive. Now, it may not be a bold prediction to most people because they they are accustomed to Mike Tomlin generating winning seasons. But to me, it's a bold statement. So, yes, I think the Steelers will have a winning record, 9-8. But I have them somewhere. I have them in third. I have the Ravens last. I have them in third. And I think they could be a sneaky team. I, I Listen, when you have a team that prioritizes the preseason, Everybody should feel good about what they saw because they prioritized it. There's so many teams that didn't prioritize the preseason. They just punted it away. And we saw with Mike Tomlin with his analogy about sparring and boxing. You don't want to box before you spar. Well, um, they were sparring and we got to see their sparring sessions. And that's why a lot of people was hype on them because we got to see it. We didn't get to see the Ravens. And we saw the Ravens, and the Ravens look stout in this new offense. Maybe we on the Ravens bandwagon, but we got to see the Steelers. And when we did get to see the Steelers, they look good. Kenny Pickett orchestrated touchdown drives. His drives ended in touchdowns. So, of course, I'm not shocked that the national media is starting to pick the Steelers because they saw the Steelers. They got to see that appetizer, and we didn't get to see it from a lot of teams. I don't know how Justin Herbert looks in the new offense with Kellen Moore. I don't know, but I know how the Steelers look. So, um... Defensively, I agree with Zach. They're going to be one of the best in the whole entire conference, period. I do agree with him with that. If not the absolute best, I get it. I, you know, could concur with that. But I also think that I need to see more, not more, but I need to tamper with my expectations, you know, even though I don't have sky expectations. I just need to see how it looks in the regular season. So um, we'll see. If the preseason is a sign that this is how they are going to be, and everybody else, maybe you have some underachievers in there, then, yeah, they can win the, the North. You know, I think, you know, on, like I said, on bias side of side, the Steelers do have an opportunity to really shock the AFC. Um, the talent is there. Uh, the co the coaching infrastructure is there, you know, with Tomlin being a, a, dis uh, a player's coach, but also getting the, saying the right things to get to elevate the guy's play. Um, you know, they, they have a solid receiving core. With Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, who I still believe has an opportunity to be a star in this league at some point in time. Uh, but there's still a lot of questions with Steelers. You know, the TJ Watt, is he going to be healthy the full season? Is what that defense will look like? Is the offensive line revamped with, with the addition of their um, draft picks? And so let's see what happens with this Pittsburgh Steelers team. Um, I know, it's a, like I said, most of these teams in the AFC, so much talent, but also so many questions. Uh, now we head off to Denver. I got one more, oh, okay, one more bold prediction too on this. I believe that Jalen Warren will be the starting running back by the end of the season. Ooh, that's that's you know, hey, I I, I think he's a I think he's a stellar player. So I think it's gonna be interesting to see what happens if Najee Harris is able to really play like the pick he was drafted as. But um, now we head over to the Mile High fantasy owner. Great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> Mile High City. We had to Denver Broncos. Zach, it is on you. Oh no, Lil, excuse me. Lil, Lil, it's on you. Yeah, a little mix up there, but we I on the path, way, we sorry. on the path. Um, my biggest question for the Broncos is can Sean Payton work his magic, especially as it pertains to Russell Wilson? We know his track record. He fixed quarterbacks in the past. Drew Brees had a very 
altering injury with the shoulder that could have ended his season or not season career in general. And 2006, they took the lead by storm made the NFC championship game. I believe in that first year. And you know, that was the start of something spectacular. You know, Jameis Winston had a 30 for 30 episode in Tampa Bay. He got the sit for a year and he only had three interceptions through seven games and 14 touchdowns. And he was fixing him. Now, Teddy Bridgewater in relief of Drew Brees from time to time um, went undefeated with Sean Payton. So can he work that same magic with Russell Wilson is my big question. And I think when you talk about this from this perspective, right, I am no longer going to defend Russell Wilson in ways that I used to in the past. Those days are long gone. When I was on this show debating at the top of my lungs with Zach, saying that Wilson Wilson is the MVP of the league, and he goes on immediately that next Sunday and throws four interceptions. Those days are long gone. However, with that being said, it's funny because we actually dropped the NFC East, excuse me, the NFC West. Was it West or, excuse me, the AFC West? We actually dropped that, but it never really dropped. But we recorded that, you know, a couple of days ago, and I had them last initially. I'm going to walk that back. I don't think they're going to come in last. I thought about this overnight. I don't think it could get as worse as it did last year for this team. It could only improve, whether that means, you know, exponentially or, you know, whatever, a little bit. It could only improve. If there's anybody that should have been humbled in 2023 in the National Football League, it's Russell Wilson. This guy has been catching L after L. There's nobody that have, has caught more L's than Russell Wilson in the last three years. Number one. He fusses with Pete Carroll, says, I want to cook. Pete Carroll allows him to cook. He throws interceptions back to being a game manager. Then he feels that he's bigger than the team. He requests a trade, and he gets traded. Not to mention, on the way to Denver, he nicks the Eagles trade. The Eagles went on to make the Super Bowl without him, have one of the best rosters in the league on paper, okay? And he got to sit down and watch that while he went to the Denver Broncos, and they sucked. Okay, and they was the laughing stock of primetime television last year. Okay, if you needed to watch a comedy, watch the Broncos last year in primetime. I don't think there's nobody that took more L's. He called this culture equal. We are business partners. He had his own private office. Okay, and Sean Payton came in there and said, you know what, enough with that shenanigans. That's why he called out Nathaniel Hackett. Can't let this cat act like he's a businessman. You a football player. Now, I just thought Russell Wilson smelled himself too much. You know, he was like, listen, man, I'm at the top of my game. I'm the one who won the Super Bowl, you know, so he started moving different. He's humbled. He should be humbled. And a humble Russell Wilson, back to the Go Hawks days. Now the Broncos less ride. If, he, if he's really humbled and he can go back to playing football, I'm not sure if he's shot or not. I'm not sure if he's declined or not. I think he, he looks declined to me. But maybe it's a confidence thing along with, you know, everything that transpired playing into his mental. Like Zach said with Deshaun Watson, the mental part of the game, that may be what's going on with Russell Wilson. Maybe he's not shot. Maybe it's the mental part of the game. But if Sean Payton could give him back that confidence and swagger, uh, being a team-oriented quarterback whose main job is to construct offense and go the hell home and, and stop with this PR, then the Broncos can be a team that can be an X-factor, the biggest X-factor in this division. Now, 
I'm going to keep my expectations minimum, and I'm going to say that um they're going to be the third team in this um in this division. My bold prediction before I pass the rock is I do believe Jerry Judy will finally get 1,000 yards on the year. Um, he has fallen short last year. He has fell short. Injuries play a, a role, but I think that. You know, I'm not sure if he's going to miss any games. I know he's injured right now, but he's not on IR or PUP or whatever. So he may start week one. I think this is the year that he gets to that 1,000-yard mark, and that's my bold prediction for the Denver Broncos. Okay, so as you guys just saw, there was a little bit of confusion uh, with the teams we were assigned to. No big deal. So I did come prepared with the question for the Broncos. That was my fault. I, I messed it up. But I'm curious for your guys' opinion on this. Do you guys think Russell Wilson will have, like, a bounce back year kind of like Jared Goff did last year in Detroit or is this like Matt Ryan going to Indianapolis where he just melted like right before our eyes and I think Russ there were obviously some signs of decline in his last few years in Seattle where her, his numbers was were just like not as good as we expected they were really tailing off and everyone ignored that in Denver because they were so desperate like they just needed to, a guy to go along with what was a really solid defense and the craziest thing to me was, like, if their offense would have just scored more than 17 points in just, like, five or six of their games last year, this team could have been a playoff team because their defense was elite last year. And I think, especially, like, for the first 10 games, they tailed off a little bit. But I'm curious to see also if their defense could keep up that level of play without their defensive coordinator, Israel Rivera, who went to Carolina – and my thing with Sean Payton and the Russell Wilson combination is like, I'm just not sure if this version of Russell Wilson is the quarterback Sean Payton actually wants. I still have his fascination with Taysom Hill stuck in my head and I can't seem to get it out. And I'm, I'm just saying it right now. I think this is a square peg in a round hole situation. I, I don't think these two sides are going to mesh very well. And I don't think Russell Wilson is as accurate as Drew Brees was. I don't think he's the same mobile dual threat quarterback that he was five or six years ago in Seattle. And we're getting towards the bottom of the odds in terms of teams. So I'm going to start throwing out some bold predictions. I think this gets to a point where Sean Payton wants to play Jared Stidham at quarterback at some point this season. And I do think he's going to get some action. I also think it's just a killer that Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick already went down with injuries in the preseason. And that is just brutal luck for a team that I think really has to get off to a fast start. Like, that is very important. So I'm not buying into this Broncos team. I'm not buying into the Peyton Russell uh, combination either. I think I both made fair points. Um, but I think what Russell Wilson needed was a quarterback whisperer in his ear. Um, he had Pete Carroll his entire career, and now he has Sean Payton. Uh, I think those that's what he needs. I think when you saw what Nathaniel Hackett is, that equal, quote-unquote, wasn't the right guy for him because he was un unable to really – uh navigate an offense that's free style for him free flowing for him um russell wilson's not a free flow quarterback he's a system quarterback you know i think that's something that people not said there was a knock on his career but it's not some guys are just system quarterbacks and he needs a, a great system to to elevate and you saw that when sean Payton, as Lowe said earlier with james winston with teddy bridgewater drew Brees. you still know pete carroll you've seen it with um russell wilson's entire career you've seen it with geno smith Certain guys elevate when they're with really great play callers. And I think Sean Payton's only going to elevate um, Russell Wilson back to a good standing. I don't know if he's going to be a top five, top ten quarterback in the league. I'm not saying that. 
but I think he's going to elevate his game beyond what we saw last year. I don't think Russell Wilson from last season is going to be the same Russell Wilson we'll see this year. Um, so I think Sean Payne is just only going to bring a better offensive look for the Denver Broncos. Now, what will that look be? Not not really sure, but it's going to be a lot better looking than what it was last year, which looked very stagnant and very confusing at times. Anything is better than last year's eh? So yeah, maybe no, that's I mean, not saying too much. <laughs> absolutely. But my bold prediction for the Broncos, I mean, hey, like I said it, I think I think they're going to win that division. <laughs> it's like I think – I think the Broncos will win that division. Uh, I personally, it's a it's a bold take to say the least, but I think Sean Payne's there for a reason. So let's see what happens. Um, the Tennessee Titans that goes on to live. So I believe it's me. Right. Yeah, Zach. Zach. Right, here we go. So with the Titans last year, right? I finally felt like we could pronounce them dead after they lost their last seven games and surrendered their playoff spot to the Jaguars. And my question is, will they continue to annoy me and just be the most pesky team in the league? Because for me, it's hard for me not to lean yes. But are they going to be a, like relevant enough where we have to talk about them each week? And are we going to be asking ourselves, like, can this team actually win the AFC South and make the playoffs for another year? Because I'll say something nice about Ryan Tannehill, right? He doesn't care about anyone's opinion. This guy will go down swinging the football in every big game he's in, when he honestly has no business doing so. Like, even when he's costing his team a home playoff game, when his defense sacks the opposing quarterback nine times, that guy still believes in himself. Like, I truly believe when Ryan Tannehill is facing off against Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen, he believes deep down he could beat them in a shootout. And they're very well coached. They bring in DeAndre Hopkins. Derrick Henry, the ageless wonder, is still there. So they have a really high floor, but I just don't think they're good enough to win anything of relevance. I think they're going to be that classic team that wins a few games that no one has any expectations for them to win going in, but then they're also going to lose games where they have no business losing. I also think similar to Denver, a fast start is very important because I do think they will have a quick trigger when it comes to that quarterback position, if they get off to a slow start and maybe they want to see Will Levis, maybe they want to see Malik Willis and maybe even a slow start could lead to a possible Derrick Henry trade at the deadline. I do look at their first five games and it's not easy, right? Uh, they start off at the saints, not an easy place to play. They host the chargers. They go to Cleveland. They host the Bengals and they then go to Indy in week five. And my bold prediction is in week five, we will see, a duel of rookie quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson versus Will Levis in India. Yeah. Um, you know, the Titans is a very polarizing team because there's not a lot of expectations. And I think when you talk about the Titans, I like them like that in a way. Like I like them not being a Super Bowl contending team by the mass media because they're not built for that. They are underdogs. They are rough riders and they are pesty. And I think they play better with a chip on their shoulders. And because they are not committing to rebuilding, but they are committed to being competitive, I think that they will be a very pesty team, especially in their division. They're playing one of the worst divisions in the National Football League. And you could argue the worst. Like them in the, in the south of the NFC, it's like A, B, take it or leave it. They're very – it's not a lot of great teams. You have teams ushering in new quarterbacks, Colts, AR. You know, the Texans, C.J. Stroud. So they're going to run the ball a lot. 
both of those teams because they had the rookie quarterbacks. And the strength of the Titans defense is that line. So that's going to play right into their hands. So they have an opportunity to be spoiler. I look at them as a spoiler team. I don't look at them as a contending team. I don't think they're going to win this division by any chance, but I think they're going to spoil some things. They're going to even be a knack for the Jaguars, believe it or not. Now, I do believe the Jaguars will win this division comfortable, but they're not going to make it easy for Jacksonville. They're going to, Jacksonville is going to have to play a full 60 minutes to beat them. And um, that's how I look at this team. Derrick Henry is still going to pound that rock. We've been predicting his decline for years. Never came. And, um, you know, D-Hop, we have predicted his decline as well. We'll see if he can have this career resurgence. I still think he's a 1,000-yard wide receiver. Remember, he missed six games and two games towards last year and almost made 1,000 yards. So he's still a 1,000-yard wide receiver. So um, they're going to be pesty. And um, that's how I look at this team. I don't look at that, you know, um, any further. They're going to be well coached as well with Mike Vrabel. So, yeah, that's how I look at the Titans this year. Yeah, the Titans is always a tough team. So, you know, it's going to be interesting what happens this coming season uh, when a lot of teams play them, um, what's going to happen. Because every game against the Titans is a 50-50 game. You know, it, they are very gritty. They play gritty for 60 minutes. So it's going to be interesting what happens. And, um, you know, they're a very well-disciplined team as well. They're a team that doesn't make many mistakes. but So you have to capitalize on when you do play against them. Just got to see what happens in the season. Uh, they're one of them. They're primed for uh, uh, um, an upset season for sure. They can definitely shock a lot of teams. Let's see what teams they wind up shocking this season. Um, now we um had oh, oh any other points on the Titans? We'll go next. One. Now, right. I just think it's a good. Believe it or not, I just thought about this like right now as you were speaking. I think that D Hop fit on the Titans. Believe it or not, is a very good fit in this retrospect. Like Derrick Henry, as I alluded to, he's been counted out. Oh, the decline is coming because running backs, we know running backs decline after a certain amount of years in the NFL with the mileage. And he has a lot of mileage on him, but he always still seems to, despite the injuries, still be productive when he's on the field. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan Tannehill, we laid him dead, like as far as his career, long time ago. And he came to this team, got his career back on track after a couple you know, interceptions and games. We wrote his obituary. He came back. We thought, like, he was gone this year. He he came back. He's the starting quarterback on this team. They keep coming back from the dead. And D-Hop is a guy that everybody thinks is cooked. Now he could go on a team that's being underappreciated, undervalued. So he could, along with those guys over there, have something to prove together as a cohesive unit to try to be this pestilence of a team in the NFL. Hey, you said it. But now we head over to New England Patriots. Lil, it's on you. Yes. Is Bill Belichick coaching for his job is my biggest question that I have. Now, we all heard the rumors this summer, and I think a lot of those reports have opened up Pandora's box to the situation that's going on. Maybe, hypothetically, a succession plan put in place for Gerard Mayo to take the job. And we all know that the Patriots are not keeping up in this modernized AFC East. It was one point in this decade where they dominated this conference, this division. And they just seem to be like, it's like a relay race. And they the tortoise. They just like slow and everybody just passed them. The Jets modernized themselves and they passed them. The Bills modernized themselves and they passed them. And the Dolphins modernized themselves and they passed them. As far as when you look on paper, talent for talent for talent for talent. And now I'm looking at this team. I'm looking at the reports and I'm like, I'm looking at Bill Belichick. 
one of the things as well that Bill Belichick doesn't have that same success with that he used to is drafts, late round gems that he used to find. Back in 2010 in particular, that's where he found Rob Gronkowski, who became one of the best tight ends in the game. I believe he took him in round round three or something like that. When did he take um Gronkowski? I forgot which round. Three or four, yeah. It was like three or four. Um, you also had uh, Marcus Cannon, offensive tackle, round five. Logan Ryan, you know, safety, round three. You know, remember, Marcus Cannon won two Super Bowls. He was a starting um, offensive lineman. You know, you also had, you know, other guys that he, you know, what's the dude? Malcolm Butler made the play. One of the greatest plays of all time in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl hero, Malcolm Butler, was undrafted. So I'm not seeing that same thing with the new Bill Belichick. It's like, really? You remember that video where Sean McVay and uh, <laughs> the GM was laughing at Bill Belichick when he drafted Coach Strange? You got people laughing at Bill Belichick draft moves now. Literally, it's not the same. And I think it'd be Robert Kraft if the Patriots missed the playoffs because they have not been able to find their footing post-Tom Brady era. Then he may be choice with a godfather decision to make. And I understand that people think he's on the clock, Bill Belichick, and maybe he is. I just find it hard to believe the day I wake up and the headline says on SportsCenter, Bill Belichick has been fired. I don't think I could ever picture that in my brain until I actually see it. But at the same time, if they lose and they are fourth place and they don't make the playoffs, then it may be, can be a possibility. So um, we'll see how they look. Bill O'Brien has now taken the control of the offensive coordination over there. And believe it or not, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's a top five offensive coordinator in the whole entire league, Bill O'Brien. I firmly believe that. You know, right up there with the Ben Johnsons, the Kellen Moores, he right up there. And another thing, too, is that when you look at New England, and I do believe he's better than Josh McDaniels for the record, even just being an offensive coordinator. I take Bill O'Brien over Josh McDaniels, you know, in that bracket any day of the week. And another thing, too, is the Patriots have got better. I think we could say that because of the offensive coordinator higher, because, you know, they have Mike Isicki and, you know, guys, you know, two tight end sets along with Juju. And there's reports about some knee injury that he has. I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it a lot. I just saw it popped up. Defense is always going to be in games, and they're always going to run the football. So with Rashard, not Rashard, with Mondre Stevenson, with Ezekiel Elliott, yes, it's not staggering, but they are better, and they're going to play their game, and they're going to make sure the game is, you know, um, low. And I, I trust the Patriots to win a low-scoring game, but high-scoring games where they get one out of the gym, I can see that being a very big possibility in certain games. So, yeah, that's how I feel about the Patriots and my bold prediction is that the Patriots won't finish in last place in the AFC, and they will finish over 500. I got them 9-8. and eight. Okay, so to answer Will's question, is Belichick coaching for his job? Like, I think the answer is yes. And I'll start my take on the Patriots off with a very bold prediction. Honestly, like, this might be my boldest prediction in my years doing this show. I think Bill Belichick is coaching the Washington Commanders next year because when I look at the Patriots – I just think that Robert Kraft, I don't know how long he could take it. If Bill Belichick is walking around acting like the czar and the king that he is, and he's winning Super Bowls, like, I get it. But when you're 
winning six or seven games, eight games at most each year. I just don't know how much Robert Kraft could take anymore when he's acting like he always does. And there are all these reports coming out that Robert Kraft at 83 years old is getting really annoyed with Belichick and his personality and his ego. And I can just see Robert Kraft saying, you know what? I'm done with this guy's antics. I don't want to put up with him anymore. He let Tom Brady go, who was his guy. And I don't think Robert Kraft is just going to suck it up and be told what to do if he really has just had it with Belichick. I don't think he's going to fire him. I think on the headline, it will say Patriots and Bill Belichick agree to a mutual parting of ways. But if they go six or 11 and seven and 10, like I expect them to do, I don't think Bill Belichick is back next year. I really don't. And I think the commanders are going to be in a good position to draft a quarterback. They'll be appealing to him. And Josh Harris, the new commander's owner, he's going to come in right away and make a big splash and make Belichick the czar of football operations in Washington. You know, I think uh, Robert Kraft has a decision to make between banking on, I mean, on planning their future versus still holding up those uh, the head coach that brought through those championships. That's a decision he's going to have to make in this um, next upcoming offseason uh, in terms of Bill Belichick. We all know his resume is solidified. Can't take that away from him. But what has he done for this, the future of this team outside of Tom Brady? We haven't seen it. You know, we haven't seen anything. You know, Mac Jones isn't the second coming of Tom Brady. He isn't the guy who's going to elevate the Patriots team. It takes a village to really build and win championships. I just think that Robert Kraft needs to make that decision sooner rather than later, because a lot of these draft choices, the last couple drafts for this Patriots team hasn't been great. And I think we can all agree to that. But again, a team that is so disciplined, their coach is so um, hard-nosed for the defense to get the defense striving every single year is promising. But their offense has been lackluster, to say the least. And that's something that needs to change immediately. I mean, what about just letting him step down from like, operations and just being a head coach right like that's he's, another he's alternative like, he has six super bowl rings like he's not he's not doing that like well, i mean i think that would be what i would try to do because i just can't have this cat dangling in the open market and i would hope it's washington and not the afc with justin herbert and the cowboys because you don't seem to be high on the charges i think that justin herbert will be the most lucrative option at quarterback for bill belichick to want to take that job Damn. so I think that's fair. I think that's a very, very fair point. But I, I don't know if, like you said, is Robert Kraft going to fire him right, like off the rip if they don't go the way they want to? I have no clue. I just think Robert Kraft, he's getting old. And like yep. his expectations right now are like winning multiple playoff games. You know, like the Patriots let Tom Brady go. That was Robert Kraft's guy. Uh, speaking of Brady sightings, we have the Las Vegas Raiders up next. That's a great um, segue. <laughs> It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this team, man. Uh, So, uh, Raiders, let's talk about it. All right. So, my question with the Raiders is, can they catch lightning in a bottle with Jimmy G, or do we see Aiden O'Connell, the rookie fourth-round pick out of Purdue? And here's the thing about the Raiders, right? And this is why I love football so much, is because nothing has changed in terms of, like, their roster in the past month. But a month has passed, in my opinion, on this Raider team, has really changed. If you would have asked me what my take was on the Raiders just a month ago, I would have said that Jimmy G would inevitably get hurt like he always does, and this team would have to turn to Brian Hoyer at quarterback, which would put them as a big-time sleeper in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. But I watched this kid Aiden O'Connell in the preseason, and he looked like the real deal. 
he has so much experience under his belt, right? He was a four-year starter at Purdue. And I'm calling it right now. I think this kid is in the same mold as guys like Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and Brock Purdy, guys that were drafted outside of the first round, in the mid-rounds, and he just becomes the future of their franchise out of nowhere. PFF called him the biggest winner of the preseason, and I agree. He, he just knows where to go with the ball. Like, he's not mobile. But I really think if he was coming out of school like 10 to 15 years ago, there's a good chance he would have been a first-round pick. When it comes to Jimmy G, we know what the deal is. He's fine. He's solid. But he always gets hurt. And I almost feel like that's what the Raiders need to happen just to give this kid as many reps as possible. I don't really know like how committed Mark Davis is to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. And now, as they mentioned, like Tom Brady's now involved. I just feel like they have to know that when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback, you have a ceiling. Like, he could only take you so far. And I think Josh McDaniels is not a very good head coach. Like, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is that talented. But this team lost just a crazy amount of one-possession close games last season, and I feel like some positive regression could be in play. They lost four games when they were up by double digits at halftime, which is an NFL record. They also lost six games last year when leading in the fourth quarter, which led the NFL. Just absurd numbers. And part of me thinks, like, if Jimmy Garoppolo could play all 17 games, you could make the argument that they're a competitive, like, 7-8, 9 win team in the wild card race. You still have Adams, Jacobs is back, which is good, Crosby. But outside of Crosby, like, their defense is not good, especially in the secondary. And when you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, and Marcus Peters is your number one corner, like that is worst-case scenario. I think they have the worst secondary in the league. So that's my question with the Raiders. Are we going to see any of Aiden O'Connell this season? Yeah, I think my outlook on the Raiders is a little bit different. You know, I'm not ready for the Aiden O'Connell conversations right now. I want to have the conversations that I had on the last show that we did that Zachary wasn't on that we didn't really push out in regards to Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. I think when you talk about and say you was here for it, so you know exactly what I'm about to say. I'm going to literally say the same thing I said. When you think about the Broncos and everybody talks about can Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson, I need. I think we need to have that same conversation opposite with this team. Can Jimmy G fix Josh McDaniels? Because Josh McDaniels reverted back to Jimmy G and said, I need your help. You know my system. Derek Carr didn't work out. I need you over here because you won my offense. So can Jimmy G fix Josh McDaniels? Because when you talk about the past, right, in the past is always there in history for us to just go back and look at history to kind of figure out where we are right now. And when you look at the Broncos gig and that opportunity, which he got fired from, I see a lot of similarities with that team with the Raiders. For example, the Raiders, right, because everybody blamed Derek Carr for how last year ended. Derek Carr quit on his team. Zach, you brought that up. You know, um, Derek Carr, he held them back. I don't believe in him no more because of last year and how last year ended. Fine. Cool. Let me bring you the history, though. When you talk about the Broncos and Josh McDaniels, he took that job. The year before he took that job, they were 7-9. and nine, A fringe playoff team with a lot of optimism with Jay Cutler as their quarterback, believe it or not. And all Josh McDaniels was asked to do was use his offensive expertise to get this team to the playoffs because it was a French playoff team. I believe they were 8-8 eight and eight and 7-9 and the last two years. French playoff team. Josh McDaniels, can you take this team over the top? 
and he made it worse. Understand they started off hot, then they definitely wore off, and they missed the playoffs by a map. Okay, and guess what? He blamed Jay Cutler for that, a guy who won seven games the year before, and they traded him, and he went to the Chicago Bears and found minimal success over there, but some success over there, and he ended up getting fired from the job, Josh McDaniels, and he ended up back with Bill Belichick. I said the same thing. I see the same thing with what happened with Derek Carr. They made the playoffs with Derek Carr. Derek Carr threw for 4,000 yards with no number one wide receiver, by the way. He has a lot of those guys on New Orleans, by the way. And he blamed him for last year when he was supposed to take that team that made the playoffs over the top. He made it worse. And then he blamed him for that. So now he calls up his guy, Jimmy G, who had some success with him when he was one of the offensive coordination in New England. He calling him up to see if he can run his offense better. Can Jimmy G fix Josh McDaniels? Because I don't believe that Josh McDaniels is a good coach at all. I believe he's the worst coach in the league right now. And I do believe he's not a leader of men. Can Jimmy G, with his winner's resume, with his 40-17 and 17 record as a starting quarterback, fix that guy? That's the conversations we need to have right now. Um, You know, I think they yeah, both made fantastic points. Um, Both have very... Um, similar points in terms of Raiders and outlook, right? Outlook, what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with Jimmy G? Uh, is it going to fix McDaniels? Or are we going to see the new quarterback, a new system? Uh, but I know one thing for sure, you know, I think the Raiders, they have two guys on this roster who are extremely talented, who are sick of losing as Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. So that's and, something. And, and Max Crosby to that, you know? And Max Crosby, excuse me, and third guy. And these guys are, are, are looking to win games ASAP. So what? will be the their futures look like um relatively soon i think that's something that needs to be uh answered uh, very soon i hope that the raiders begin to act, answer those questions because those three guys are super talented there should be no reason why they are playing for a team not looking to make that big push to win it all um you know i think that's something that needs to be answered but also uh, something that needs the, the organization needs to um, question, like, what, what are we doing here? Are we trying to revamp? Are we trying to rebuild? What's the questions? So that's something like, you know, this Raiders team, it's so weird, man. When John Gruden got there, he was supposed to be the Messiah, the guy that was supposed to elevate them. And lo and behold, we're, we're in this big pile of crap that's happening in Las Vegas. Disgusting. First and foremost, or before we go to the next team, I just want to give, um, you know, a, a quick, just not shout out, but, you know, hoping that everyone in Vegas is all right. You know, they had that big um, storm out there that cr created like these mudslides out there that a lot of people lost homes. A lot of people got injured. So hopefully everyone has a speed recovery for Las Vegas out there. Uh, now we're going over to Indianapolis Colts. AR-15, the new regime. I mean, let's talk about it. Yeah, definitely. I have a lot to say about this one. The biggest question that I have is can the Colts develop AR-15 properly despite the dysfunctional friction going on between Jim Ursay and the best player on the team, Jonathan Taylor, right? Because the situations right now in Indianapolis is not ideal. We know that Jonathan Taylor's situation is very messy and ugly. And one could argue when you was naming AR-15 the starter, the plan should have been to have JT out there week one. And obviously, he's on a pup right now. So at the very least, we will see him in week five. Now, obviously, there's other sides of that coin. But realistically, week five. Now, we know running backs are, you know, ideally complementary to the quarterbacks in their development. For example, Dak Prescott 
Ezekiel Elliott. When Dak Prescott was given the keys and he was drafted as a rookie, he took the job and he was a rookie quarterback. He had Ezekiel Elliott who was dominating. He was in the prime of his career and that helped the development of Dak Prescott. When you had Jared Goff, you had Todd Gurley, the play action. He was one of, he was the best back in the league at that time. And they was one of the best, the offense off of play action. We all know Jared Goff thrives in play action till this day. And he was important to the development of Jared Goff. Now, I can make an argument that if Jonathan Taylor and AR-15 was out there week one, that would be the more explosive quarterback, running back duo out of all of those guys that I just named or duels that I just named, the most explosive. Because we all know Jonathan Taylor is very explosive, and we all know AR-15 is very explosive as a quarterback being compared to Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson at that. Now, one could argue that the development is being stunted because of the messy situation, but there is a flip side to that coin. I think the Colts are doing a good job in this retrospect of not only naming him the starting quarterback, but feeding him confidence. They just named him a captain. To be 21 years old as a rookie and being named captain is very, very impressive, and they are actually pushing that confidence in AR-15. There's one way you can stunt confidence. For example, telling Jordan Love you're not dressing this year as a rookie. You're not even going to dress. And I traded up to draft you. You're not dressing. That's how you can stunt growth. But you can also give growth by saying, I believe in you. Not only are you going to be the starting quarterback for my team, and I'm trusting you with my short-term and long-term outlook, but I'm going to name you a captain because I believe you could be a voice in this locker room. That's confidence. So I'm kind of in the middle of, okay, is the growth going to be stunted because of everything that's going on? Is the confidence going to help? I'm in the middle in regards to that in particular. But one thing I'm not in the middle at is how I feel about the Colts. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games this year, many games, if at all. They're probably going to win a couple, and the AR-15 is probably going to show some big playability, and that's about it. Now, as far as the Jonathan Taylor situation, I'm using this um, team to talk about Jonathan Taylor even further. I just think that um, I got both predictions. I got two. My first bold prediction, I believe that Jonathan Taylor will sign a deal with the coach to a mean and indie for a year, and him and Jim Irsay is going to be at Fat Burger together, and they're going to hash everything out. That's my bold prediction, number one. Simply because I don't see any other way. He's not going to hold out and pull off a, a Le'Veon belt because I believe he will lose $240,000 every game that he holds out. So financially, it's not going to make sense to pull off a Le'Veon Bell. The Colts have the leverage here. And also, if you do pull a Le'Veon Bell and cut off your nose to spite your face and hit your pockets, your own pockets, then they're going to tag you because they have the franchise tag or they can use a tender, however they want to do it. So the team has the leverage here. And also, as we saw with the deadline when he requested trade, no team is going to give a first-round pick for a running back who they're not going to want to pay. It's not going to happen. So the likely outcome in both prediction is that they're going to agree to a deal similar to Josh Jacobs, similar to Austin Eckler, similar to Saquon Barkley to keep him in town for a year. I think they'll pay him probably $13 million, $12 million for a year to stay in town. My second bold prediction is I believe that AR-15 will be a top five fantasy quarterback in fantasy. And I believe that because he has that big playability. We all know with Justin Fields, you do not need to have good passing numbers to be a top fantasy quarterback because of 
you being able to run for a thousand yards. I think AR-15 will top that. I think he will beat Lamar Jackson's rushing record. And I do believe that he will have a little bit more big plays on the field than Justin Fields had last year. And I believe he will be a top five fantasy quarterback. So that's my outlook on the coast going into the year. Yeah, so I have some stuff to say about the Taylor situation. And, Will, I'll, I'll respond to your first bold take like right away. Why wouldn't the Colts do that before putting him on pup and ensuring he's missing the first four games of the season? Like, I understand why Jonathan Taylor is upset, but I also understand why the Colts have zero interest in giving him a long-term deal. And I just feel like the Colts called your bluff, and now you have to take the L. Like, if a team trades for you, they weren't going to pay you the long-term deal you're looking for. And the three guys you mentioned – Barkley, Eckler, and Jacobs, the one thing that they could say that Jonathan Taylor can't is that all three of those guys are coming off great seasons. Like Jonathan Taylor, if this was happening at this time last year when he had a massive 2021, okay, maybe, but I don't think he's a game-changing player. Like he's not someone that's a dual threat and catches passes as well as running the ball. And I do think it's in play that he gets like so stubborn that he only plays in like maybe two or three games just so he could fulfill the year on his contract and then he could just get out of there. But at the same time, like, would Ursay and Ballard catch up to him and be like, you're a healthy scratch just so if you're trying to pull these shenanigans, like, just so we can't take it away that year on your contract? Like, this is just such an ugly situation. And, again, if he had a great year last year, he would have a little bit more leverage like Saquon, like Jacobs, like Eckler. But he was not good last year. He was disappointing. So – I also think if he would have done this whole stunt earlier in the offseason before the draft, I do think there's a chance the Colts maybe would have traded him for a second-round pick instead of, you know, these crazy offers for Jalen Waddell. But I don't really see a way this situation is getting resolved anytime soon. Yeah, I think the not only is this situation not going to be fixed, but the running back market. You know, I think hopefully this could be the tip of the iceberg because – these guys do way too damn much on that football field to be paid the way they are. Um, you know, I think it's 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 a situation that's getting dire um, each and every day, but every season you see it. Uh, a position is always getting shortchanged, and unfortunately, we're seeing it with the running backs. Um, and you know, it's it's unfortunate, but it, it takes a whole unity of the uh, running back regime in the NFL for them to say we're putting a stop to it. But it's horrible to see. Ursay in this Jonathan Taylor spiral out in public. It's disgusting. But, um, you know, I think that the Colts, they're going to be a team that's going to be building. It's going to be a season. It's going to be a tumultuous season, very uh, turbulence-filled season to see what Anthony Richardson made of for all the whole entire season. And it's going to be interesting to see how Frank Reich is, is going to be able to put uh, a different dynamic for Anthony Richardson. We understand how talented the kid is. Um, we've seen his ability in college. Let's see if he's able to transfer onto that football field in the NFL. I got a couple more points that I just want to get off, right? So I'm not sure if y'all saw the comments with the Colts GM, Chris Ballard, but he came out and said, John didn't tell the situation sucks, but relationships are repairable. And that's my bold prediction because I could see a world where they will pay the situation, even though it's looking like the situation is nasty because I could see the owner buzzing down and giving Taylor that one year deal you know, to keep him in town so they can focus on the development of the young quarterback and new head coach coming in. I think if you're an owner, you just have to buzz in. You have to buzz down and try to fix this thing and hash it out because this right here could have 
everlasting. I, I don't even know if everlasting is the word that I want to use, but it can have profound implications on what you're trying to accomplish this year, which is not really winning anything, but developing your quarterback. So, um, you know, on the flip side, I don't, I don't really know if I really have a problem with um, AR-15 being the starter in this situation with everything going on, because I do believe in staying psyching. And this is a guy that I seen, you know, the best year that Justin Herbert had was when he was the coordinator for the Chargers. When he took over play calling duties from Nick Sirianni, that's when Jalen Hurts took off. And they became the team that we know of today, running those RPOs. So if he, if this is his decision to name him the starter, and it's coming from him, I'm on board with him 1,000%. But if his ownership making this, you know, move, saying, nah, play the kid, then we can have a very bad situation on our hands. I just can't trust Jim Ursay to make, like, any logical decisions. Like, I think he values his pride in some instances more than, you know, the development of his young quarterback, like, as crazy as that might sound. And I just think that it's unfortunate. Like, I, I think Taylor has to take the L. Like, like it sucks. Like, I, I get why he's upset. I think that running back Zoom meeting has a lot to do with it. But at this point, he, he just – there's not much he could do. Like, there's not a team that's going to trade for him and pay him the contract he's looking for. And, again, like, he didn't have the season Saquon Barkley just had. He didn't have the season Josh Jacobs just had. He didn't have the season Austin Eckler just had. I don't think he has any leverage here at all. And I don't think Jim Mercy is the guy to trust to make logical decisions. It's going to be interesting what the heck happens over in Indianapolis Colts. We all – the only thing I can say is Anthony Richardson is going to be a bright spot for this team, but everything else – in terms of relationship, in terms of building a rapport with their players, it just doesn't look good for this team thus far, and hopefully it changes in the near future. But you know, I'm also interested. Um, real quick before we go to the last team, um, do you do you have any predictions on where Jonathan Taylor will land, um, throughout the season, or will he stay in the Colts? Yeah, I think my bold prediction was um, they hash everything out, so I don't see him leaving. I just don't think that a deal for that player can get done. And the running back market that we have in the NFL, along with him still being at the top of his game, understand he had a bad year last year, but he's still one of the top backs in the league. I don't think with that market and his positioning that a deal can be done, especially in a contract year. Yeah, I don't think this gets resolved. Like, I think he is either going to have to play or pull Le'Veon Bell, which, like, you obviously don't want to do. So I I really don't think there's much he can do. Like, either – he sits out and, and really takes this thing far. I'm telling you, man, like this, the Zoom meeting, there is not a player that had a bigger effect on than him. And it's tough because the guys leading that meeting, like McCaffrey, like those are the guys that – Derrick Henry, like those were the guys that were paid already. It's easy for them to talk about, uh, you know, pull uh, – sit out, you know. Uh, you you have leverage. But like Saquon Barkley, as soon as that meeting ended, he's like, nah, F it. Like I'm, I'm signing that one-year contract. So I think that Zoom meeting had a real effect on Taylor. And that's where you have to grow your your cojones when you talk about the CBA and removing that franchise tag. Because let's say there was no such thing as that, then I could say, I mean, obviously the financial situations is one thing, but at least you could sit out and take that financial hit, but not do it for nothing. Because if he takes that financial hit, he's going to get tagged. Now, if he takes the financial hit and he can't be tagged, he could just go into a new team. And you can make the argument that he doesn't have the mileage on him this year because the argument is like, oh, mileage, mileage, mileage. Well, he didn't play this year. So he should be well-rested. He could walk into a new situation. But because they have that tag, they could just tag him with the tagging of his pockets. 
But man, after Le'Veon Bell, like, do you really want to do that? Like, do you really? Want I, to- I think Le'Veon Bell is a situation. I'm glad you brought that up because we have to remember situations. The Jets didn't have a good offensive line. So when he held out, he went to a team that didn't have a better offensive line than when he left. So situations matter. I think it would have helped him if he went to a team with a better offensive line. That rest should help you. If the argument is mileage when it comes to running backs and your tires, then help and rest should help you, not hurt you. So I think it was a situation with the Jets' poorest offensive line as well. Okay, but like, what if the team that offers him the most money doesn't have a good offensive line? Like, that's clearly what and, you and that and that's what this situation is. So I think it and that should be on the team because if you know your offensive line sucks, then you shouldn't pay a running back because he won't succeed with your offensive line. Hey, be more great points regarding this Colts team, but we are at the final team of the night. Thank you all for watching thus far, and you know, like and subscribe if you like what you see, and also comment on everything you've seen thus far. We are now up to the Houston Texans, the Nico Ryan's first year as head coach. How do we feel about it? Yeah, so my question with the Texans is, are they going to regret the Will Anderson trade and giving up their first round pick for next season? I'm actually going to say no. My take on CJ Stroud is that he's like a more mobile athletic version of Mac Jones. And I do think it was interesting that, C.J. Stroud, he did show some really nice athleticism and mobility in that last game against Georgia. And a lot of people ask themselves, like, where was that for the entirety of his career at Ohio State? Like, why did it take the last game of his college career for us to see that? And my answer to that would be, like, Ohio State's playing Northwestern and Iowa and Purdue in the Big Ten. Like, C.J. Stroud didn't even have to use and show off that mobility. And I think we're going to be surprised for how athletic and how well this guy moves in the pocket. But my issue with Stroud is just like Mac Jones, I don't think he's ever going to have a team as loaded as he did in college around him with the Houston Texans in the NFL. Now, I actually like some of the moves in terms of the veterans the Texans brought in this offseason. I actually think the Texans have one of the best secondaries in the league with Stingley, a really good young safety in Jalen Petrie. They added Jimmy Ward from San Francisco. And then with Will Anderson and D'Amico Ryans, I actually think the Texans' defense is going to be sneaky good. Like, they'll be rock solid. And they also have maybe the best pair of offensive tackles in the league with Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard. Like, their offensive line is actually pretty good. I think this is going to be, like, a six-win team that's better than Indianapolis. I don't think they finished last in that division. And I just think they're going to be a tough out with a roster that is better than most people expect. And I'm a believer in D'Amico Ryans as a head coach. I think if... I had a question because we covered this team. I have the same question that I had before when we covered this team is, is the national narrative of being a dysfunctional franchise gone or they're trying to build back some confidence as far as how we view the Texans as fans of the national football league. And, um, you know, talk show hosts because um there was a laughing stock at one point we all know their history and all that and i think they're trying to turn that new leaf with the hire of D'Amico Ryans and i think how you change the perception of how we view you as an organization is having that top elite player um which is the quarterback in the nfl obviously and having that new head coach that has some young blood on him he's very young you know inexperienced as a coach was a former player um, defensive coordinator as well, but has that young blood about him where he can kind of reinvent the wheel as far as this is how it should be done. 
as far as a coaching job. So I think when you look at their roster, there's a lot of things that I do like and some things I don't like. Defensively, I think I'm on the board with Zach as far as a secondary. They still got some highly invested draft picks over there, Stingley being one of those guys. Um, offensively, I still think they need a little bit more um, for C.J. Stroud. I would love to see Damian Pierce develop as a pass-catching back. I just think he's more of a traditional runner up the gut. Um, I think when you're having a guy like C.J. Stroud, having a, a pass-catching back will make some of those easy checkdowns for your quarterback. So if he can develop that part of his game instead of just being that traditional up-the-hill back, then that can add another element to this offense. But I think there's going to be some growing pains. I think what we saw in the preseason is going to be a microcosm of what we see with the Texans. The interception on the first play and the touchdown drive that we saw in the, I think it was the second or third game with um C.J. Stroud. We're going to see some ups and downs. We're going to see where he chooses to use his mobility, as Zach said, when he did in the national championship game, in situations where you could have ran for that first down. You know that, right? So, um, that's just how I see this team. But I do see them being a team that after this year, we will be more confident about where this team are is compared to the Colts. And it has nothing to do with quarterback play. I think AL-15 has way more upside than C.J. Stroud. But it's about the environment. It's about the ownership. It's about the culture. And right now, I'm not liking the culture that I'm seeing with the Colts based on this John Dentella situation. And I'm liking what the Texans are trying to do post Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien, and that regime over there. So here we are. Uh, you know, I think I got a bold prediction for this Texans team. I think they'll finish top 10 in defense this year. I think D'Amico Ryans is a guy who has a no-business mentality, and I think he's going to really elevate what this defense will be capable of doing. Um, you know, he had a lot of praise, excuse me, a lot of praise um, when he was on the San Francisco 49ers, a lot of praise in that locker room, a lot of praise on that team. And now he's going over to the Houston Texans to bring that ideology he was a highly touted um highly touted coach um head coach excuse me candidate for a lot of teams a lot of people wanted him and he chose to go with the Houston Texans I think that's gonna be an interesting dynamic here to be the head coach and I think he's gonna be able to elevate this defense um CJ Stroud has to show he has to really show us what he's capable of doing you know there's nobody else really on his offense outside of Damian Pierce who showed us he could play he could really ball so now it's really CJ Stroud like, what kind of quarterback are you? Are you NFL ready? Are you the guy that we were supposed to draft to elevate this franchise? We'll surely see that going into the season. I think, you know, um, the Texans, another team that's rebuilding clearly. Um, they added a lot of pieces to this team. and had a lot of young guys, and they traded up for that Will Anderson cat. And let's see, hopefully, that he's the one for this team. But not to say the least, you know, it's a young team, young uh, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. You're not expecting them to win the Super Bowl first year, but you are expecting them to be competitive every night. Something that we talked about the Titans early on this episode. You want them to be as gritty and as hungry as the team they're going against. So that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing from this Texas team. Uh, a few Wait, things. Here, I was just going to say, what, what do you think about the trade they made? Because I feel like the consensus opinion on this Texan team is that was a crazy move. Like, what are they doing giving up their first round pick next year when they're Everyone, a lot of people think they're going to finish top five again. But Zay, you said it. You think they're going to be a top ten defense? I assume Will Anderson is a big part of why you think that. Is that trade worth it when you could be giving up a high draft pick next year? I think the Texans, um, when they made that decision to trade up that much for Will Anderson, they decided that he's a generational player. They decided that he's going to be a foundational piece for this team and a core piece 
uh, a, a core piece of this foundation for the future and for the future of that team. So I'm assuming, you know, when you look at Will Anderson, you look at the makeup of him and you look at this Texans team, I think he's going to really bolster that line to the point where it elevates that entire defense. That's what the Texans paid for, and that's what they're hoping happens throughout the season. And, you know, the division not the strongest in the world. They know they don't have the greatest division in football, so it should be an opportunity for them to steal a lot of division games with this defense. And I think that's something that they hope what had happened when they tra- when they traded so much for Will Anderson because as we all saw that trade happen, there was a lot like you're giving up your first round next year and if you're not if you don't think he's a foundational piece, why the hell would you do that? I think it all depends on the production that we get from Will Anderson, and if he's out here producing, you know, making tackles and all that, then there's going to be no issue. Nobody's going to talk about it because it's like the Rams when they was winning or competing and they won a championship, nobody talked about the picks. It was when we dealing with the situation now, it's like, well, maybe you should have kept the picks. I know this may be a horrible comparison, but say Con Barkley, because I know he's a running back and that situation is different. But when he was hurt, it was, why did you invest a top five pick to draft a running back? But after last year, during last year, nobody was talking about that investment because he was producing last year. So I think it's about what Will Anderson is able to produce and if it means you know, success on that side of the ball. So um, I don't have no issue with it if that's what they believe works for them. Now, I will say this. Week one, Colts and the Texans, AR-15 versus C.J. Stroud. Sign me up. I'm looking forward to that uh, game. I think the Colts are hosting Jacksonville week one. Houston has Baltimore, I thought. Oh, you're right. That's week two. Sign me up for that week two. Week one is very interesting because the Texans are normally a good week one team, believe it or not. So the Texans, the Ravens may be in trouble in that game. Any shot that the Ravens lose that game? Oh, I'd love to pick it. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way, Will, right? So I'm in a survivor pool, right? Basically what that means is each week you just have to pick one team. If they win, you're still in. If they lose, you're out. The Ravens are going to be a very popular pick for that. Like a lot of people will probably think they're the most likely team to win week one. I won't be touching them from that aspect. I'm not 100% confident they win. I'm way too afraid uh, with, like, an offense that we just have no idea what to expect against a a Texan team that I think is going to be pretty motivated and ready to play. All right. Zay, I'm going to pass it to you to bring us home. Listen, we spoke about 15 teams today all in the AFC Conference. 16. 16 teams. See? 16 teams today in the AFC Conference. And I think, you know, each description of this team, of each bold question – a bold prediction plus burning question is valid for each and every team. But real quick, before we get out of here, Zach, Lil, want to ask you one question. Out of 16 teams that we discussed today, which one do you feel will have the biggest, the brightest burning question and the boldest prediction to be correct? I will say this. I don't know about the boldest prediction, but I will say – the biggest burning question out of all the questions I've just, I've just asked, like the biggest wild card, will probably be between the Ravens and Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Like, I think Deshaun Watson is the biggest wild card, the biggest X factor in his play out of all everything I just named from, like, questions and stuff like that with these teams. It's Deshaun Watson by far. For me, I have to go with the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Like, I really do think there's a legit shot that this is it. 
And, you know, it's probably going to be Gerard Mayo. But, yeah, I think the Patriots could be looking for a new head coach next year. And I think it could be creeping up on everyone. I feel like a lot of people understand that, you know, Bill Belichick hasn't been great since Tom Brady left. And Robert Kraft, you read every report, he's still not uh, – he's expecting big things, and he's not happy with uh, the way things have been going the past few years, especially at 83 years old. Like, I don't think a lot of people are really taking those reports seriously in terms of, like, Belichick might actually be on the hot seat. But I'm putting my money where my mouth is. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Lil and I ranked our top five head coaches on the hot seat. Belichick, for me, was on that list for a reason. I do think something could happen. I really do. Zay, I'll throw that question right back to you to close this out. Um, You know, I think earlier in the show we discussed the Buffalo Bills. Um, You know, I think that that burning question definitely enticed me. But the one that really got me thinking was the Bengals. Because we discussed the secondary. We discussed the offensive line. There's so many questions there. And can they stay at the top of the peak of the AFC that they've been uh, the last season or two? And that's a question that, for me, the burning question is still remains burning in my head. What will the Bengals be this upcoming season, especially with Joe Burrow, who's not looking like 100% going into this damn season? So it's going to be interesting to me what happens. Please, if you have any uh, thoughts or anything in the comments section, please reach out uh, to 99Pod. We are working hard at 99Pod on you know, Twitter, Instagram, Real Little TV on YouTube to check out the latest and the greatest of the 99Pod. It's been a pleasure today with Real Lil and Zach discussing the ASE Conference. Please tune in next time for the NFC Conference burning questions and um, predictions, bold predictions. We are working hard here. Hope everyone had a great Labor Day. Stay blessed. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We've been slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. All ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question.